Good evening, church. Good evening, church. All right. Well, are we ready for God's word tonight? Um, we're just a couple weeks away from Easter. Um, and as we were working this month on the message, we've been working on passion. Next week is Palm Sunday, and then the week after that, the 8th of April, is going to be Easter, where we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. What I'd like to talk tonight about is Jesus' passion for the mission, and uh, it's going to be more verses and less breath, and that's the way I want to keep it tonight. Um, I'm going to give you some points after the primary scripture tonight. I'd like you to think about those as we get into God's Word. Okay, Psalm 46 through 8. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. The writer of Hebrews ascribes that to Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the one who died on the cross for us. And again, as we look at Jesus' desire to do the Father's will, think about what he did when he said, Here I am. I have come. I desire to do your will. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you that you can bring us into this house tonight. And Father, if there's anybody on their way right now, we just pray, dear God, that you would bring them in. That they would hear your word tonight. And Father... Forgive us for our sins. Cast our sins as far as east is to west. And cleanse us, dear God, of all of our unrighteousness. Help us to stand before you and set before you tonight with a pure heart, a steadfast spirit, and a renewed mind. The Holy Spirit, teach us. Spirit of Jesus, show us what you want us to know. We give you back all the glory, all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So what did Jesus desire to do? As we go in, we're going to see that there are eight things that I want to talk about tonight. First off, his understanding of the mission. Because there was a job to do. And he knew exactly what it was. He understood it. Secondly, the focus of Jesus Christ on that mission Third, the determination to complete the mission. And the fear of the mission. Because, you know what, it wasn't an easy thing that he had to do. You see just how scared our Savior was. And in completing the mission, Jesus showed, Jesus showed four things. He showed us compassion and love. He showed a willingness to give things up and to sacrifice so that that mission could be attained. He chose to submit to the Holy God, even though, really, he didn't have to. And lastly, his obedience to God and what he did was dying on the cross for our sins. Number one, his understanding. John 12, 23, 24, and 27 say this. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, 
Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Nobody understood better than Jesus Christ what it was that he had to do. Uh, and John 12, when you go back and you read the book of John, this is his last night. And he's betrayed. He's with his disciples right now. And he's sharing some last minute information, if you will, with them. And he knows exactly what's going to happen that night. And that's why he says, Father, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He also understood because he said that just Jesus being Jesus and not doing anything wouldn't get any of us closer to God. It wouldn't get us to heaven. He knew, if you will, in, in the uh, saying of a farmer, that the seed had to be planted. And he was the seed. But the seed and he understood that. And he said, no, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. This very reason I came to this hour. You know, it's been said so many times in the past two and a half years that uh, Sharon and I have been here time after time after time. We've discussed in Bible studies that there was one reason for Jesus Christ to come to this earth and one reason alone. And that was so that he could die for our sins. His focus. John 4, 31 through 35 says this. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Jesus had just had a fabulous visit with a woman at a well. And she was a Samaritan woman. And he had told her everything that anybody could ever know about her. The thing is, before that moment in time, he'd never met her. Where were the disciples? They were in town getting some food. They were taking a break. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. As you look through the Gospels, you'll see time after time where Jesus slipped out and he went up to the mountains to pray. That he went out to be alone. When he went for 40 days in the wilderness and he was tempted, you think that might have taken a little bit of focus? Because he was really hungry. And the devil wanted him to command those stones to become bread. And then he was tested. Throw yourself down. 
Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil said, worship me and I'll give you everything. Because it's mine to give you. Remember back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve ate that fruit that was forbidden to eat. They turned the world and the title deed of the world over to the devil. So when he said to him, worship me and I'll give you everything. Because it's mine to give. He understood that he was in control and he ruled the earth. But what did Jesus say? He said, be gone. For you will worship the Lord your God and him only. He had a focus. He understood. And he kept his eyes focused on the path that he was supposed to take. Next is his willingness to sacrifice. You'll notice that I kind of jumped out of order, but that's okay. All points will be covered. Matthew 12, 46 through 50 says, While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother, excuse me, is my brother and sister and mother. I want to go back a couple of years uh, to a time that uh, was a Calvary Chapel in San Diego and some very special people came to sing. His name was Ernie and Debbie. Uh, he was a Christian. She was a Christian. She was a Messianic Jew. He was a Jewish Christian. And she stood up there that night between songs and tears and she shared with us that she had lost everything there was to lose. Because she accepted Jesus Christ into her heart. She had understood that Jesus Christ was the Messiah that was supposed to suffer. Not just coming right in on a white horse and take over. And that night as she looked out upon probably 3,000 of us sitting there that Sunday night... She smiled and she says, I know who my family is. She goes, I lost 10, 20, 30 people in my family because they've all turned their backs on me. But look at you and look at me. And you couldn't help but just have tears of joy for this lady because she had given up everything. Jesus understood. He was focused and he was willing to do everything and to sacrifice everything he had to complete his mission. Jesus also had love, as we can tell, and compassion. Continues on in Matthew 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. 
bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Gospel also says that when Jesus looked at the people, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Jesus said he was the good shepherd. Jesus said he is the sheep gate. And the only way you can get into the fold is through that gate. And Jesus is that gate. He's the one that said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But he couldn't say that without having love. He talked about one time when he was refuting the Pharisees for knocking him because he had healed somebody on a, sun, uh, on, on a Sabbath. And he said, how many people would go out if you have a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost? That you will go out no matter what day of the week it is, and that includes the Sabbath, and you would go find that sheep. And when you come back, you'd rejoice. And you tell everybody that you knew that you found that you found that lost sheep. He is the shepherd. He is the way of salvation. And he loves us more than we could ever put into words. I want to share that just because it was a big thing. Probably fed 8,000 people that day, maybe more. And he didn't do it once, he did it twice. He loved those people. And he loves you. He loves everybody in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. All we got to do is believe. I have eternal life. Jesus was also determined. In Matthew 16, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. He didn't hear that last part, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. What did the disciples and the people of the day think that this Messiah was going to be? I said it earlier, they thought he was going to ride into town on a... On a white horse, on a you know, on a stallion, on a steed with a big white hat. He was the good guy. And he was going to come in and he was going to defeat the Romans. Jesus knew better. Next week we celebrate Palm Sunday. And uh, go back in the Bible and read about him riding into Jerusalem on the fall of a donkey. That had never been ridden before. As they laid the palm trees, the palm branches and their, their, their coats and blankets and everything that they had on the ground. And they said, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus wept and he said, Oh, if you only knew. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you only knew. He was determined. Because he knew that if he didn't do it, he wouldn't be able to come into this church tonight. He knew what he had to do. He must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things at the hands of sinners. They talked about the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, but include yourself. I need to include myself because it's our sin that put him up on, put him up on that cross. Jesus had a fear. He was determined. He was focused. He was all of those things. But he was, he was also scared to death. Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. I'm going to add the next part too, which is submission. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time, and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Earlier, so that he understood his mission. That doesn't mean it didn't scare him to death. That doesn't mean... Remember, he's gotten the flesh. He knows. He knows exactly what's going to happen. The Son of God. He understood. He knew what they were going to do to him. And I don't know if... Oh, yeah, you do. Have you ever been told by one parent, your mom, just wait till your father gets home? And you know what that means. Wait till your father gets home, or just you wait till you get home from school. And you walk into that house, and you are scared silly. Because you know... You're about to take a licking. And you know what's going to hurt. But you got to come. And you have to sit there. And you have to wait. And you wait. And you wait. And you wait some more. Finally, the front door opens and guess who walks in? It's judgment time. Jesus understood that judgment time. He knew that... The judgment was going to fall upon him. He knew it. And it scared him to death. But when he went into that garden, that first time he said, My father, if it is possible, 
May this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Went back, caught him sleeping. But he went back to pray again. And this time, he didn't say, if it is possible. He just said, Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away. He didn't ask anymore. He submitted. And he understood. If it is not possible, unless I drink it, it will be done. And he bowed himself to the king of the universe, to his father. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lip. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. It is finished doesn't mean, oh, I'm done. It was his cry of victory. He had done exactly what the Father had sent him to earth to do. Every single thing that he was sent to do, he did. As he hung up there on that tree trying to push himself up so that he could take one more breath, he filled a cross on his back and the nails pulling in his hand and the pain screaming in his feet. He knew that he had done everything that he was supposed to do. It is finished. As we prepare for Easter, go back into the Bible and read Isaiah 52 and 53. Go read what happened on the cross of Calvary. Read it in all four Gospels. Read it. Think about it. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though we had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. 
and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. They killed Jesus. They beat him so bad that we couldn't recognize him as a human. They crushed him. They tore him up. They beat him silly. People in the medical profession say that it's just agony. He lost over half of his blood. He was so near death. He was trying to carry that cross because he fell down time after time. But they had to get a guy by the name of Simon. They had to force him to help Jesus carry the cross. They carried it. They carried it together. They got up there, they threw him down on that, and they nailed spikes into his hands and his feet. They tore him up. Try to think about that, because no horror movie, no nothing can compare to what they did to Jesus Christ, so that you and I could be his offspring. Because he became obedient even to the point of death, his name has become the name of all names. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As Easter gets closer, think about what he did for us. Think about how glory it was. Because it's your sins of putting there, and it's my sins of putting there. The sins of mankind from the garden all the way through history that put the Son of God upon the cross. He came down here voluntarily because God knew that there was only one way, and that was for a perfect sacrifice. Jesus is a Passover lamb. There is no need for a sacrifice again because of what he's done. Focus on it as we get to Easter. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I don't understand why you love us like you do. I don't think any of us understand that. But Holy Spirit, help us to try to understand but just believe because it's exactly what he did thank you that we can come before your throne because of the marvelous work your son did thank you for the victory 
the cross. And we can look to you. No longer be scared. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much. Thank you. If anybody here would be having issues in their life, dear God, and they feel that their sins are somehow too bad, there is no sin too bad that the blood of your Son can't cover, that the blood of your Son can't cast away. Cast our sins away. Forgive so that the Holy God can look upon us through the lens of His Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much that we can take part in heaven. Thank you so much, dear God. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.